Hello and welcome to Conversations with Commerce Trust, our show about the markets, investment themes, and economic insights that matter to you. I'm your host, David Hagee, Chief Investment Officer with Commerce Trust. Today, we're sharing our economic and market outlook for the second half of 2023. I'm joined today by Scott Colbert, our Chief Economist and Director of Fixed Income Management, and Tara McConkie, our Director of Portfolio Management here at Commerce Trust. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you. Hey, David. So the big question as we publish our 2023 mid-year outlook is, will we or won't we go into a recession? So it's been long anticipated that we will be going into a recession. The Fed started to raise rates about 16 months ago, and we've had sort of a mixed bag on both inflation and jobs numbers. So Scott, where do you think we're at? Well, we're certainly in a firmer setting than most economists, including myself, would have predicted, say, a year ago, based upon you know an expected aggressive and assertive Fed rate hiking process. With that said, it's also pretty clear, though, that nominal growth is cooling from its peak of a couple years ago. It continues to decline steadily. And even real growth adjusted for inflation has declined. It was 2.6% in the fourth quarter of last year. It was 2% in the first quarter of this year. And right now we're tracking at 1.5% for the second quarter of this year. Will we get to zero and will it turn negative? Our call is still that it's likely to happen and occur very, very late this year or early next year, but it might be pushed out for a number of reasons. But as is typical, it takes a long time for these rate hikes, the quantitative tightening to work their way through the system. And as you said, we're only 16 months into the very first rate hike, which occurred last March. So the the question that's persistent here is that, can we go into a recession with this jobs market being so strong? Last week, we had a very strong 200,000 plus print from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. As it sits today, do we think that jobs are going to be able to at least maybe cushion the blow of of a recession or even a, a soft landing here? Yeah, I think it's important to note that we've really never had a recession in this country unless we're losing employment. In other words, there's negative job creation or there's more firings than there are hirings in a month. And as you said, last month, we created, again, another 209,000 jobs. Remember, that's a first guess, a first cut based upon surveying 22% of the employers in this country. So that's where that number comes from, and it gets adjusted over time. But that's still as much job growth as we created in just about any month of the full recovery from the subprime crisis all the way to the pandemic. And it's probably the biggest potential reason we could avoid the recession and have a soft landing. And job growth remains firm because, of course, businesses fired a lot of people during the pandemic. Businesses recovered materially, particularly with all the stimulus provided post the pandemic. And then the demographics would also argue we have very few new entrants coming into the workforce, much less than we used to have. And so it doesn't take a lot of extra employment to satiate all the needs for employment. Still, though, I might mention that employment tends to fall fairly quickly just before the recession and on average doesn't start to fall materially until just a couple months before the recession. So I like to say a recession sneaks up on you slowly at first and then all of a sudden, I think someone said that about bankruptcy. I think that's also the same for a a recession. I think that's fair to say. So the bigger driver here has been the fight against inflation with the Fed raising rates. We touched on that earlier. The yield curve inverted about 12 months ago. So what are we not seeing inside the economy right now as it appears to be fairly resilient through the first five and a quarter percent in interest rate hikes? 
what cracks are beneath the surface right now that that are giving you some pause for or some cause for concern? Well, certainly it's this yield curve inversion and the fall of the leading economic indicators that combined are pointing most economists to this idea that you've probably heard it before, eight out of eight or nine out of nine or 10 out of the last 10 recessions have been preceded by this occurrence. In other words, short-term rates being much higher than long-term rates. Are there cracks showing that would counter the reasonably positive growth we've had so far? Sure. You know, within the employment area, you've seen wages and salaries slowly decline but not a lot. You've seen job openings come down, but from a, a huge peak during the pandemic. And we've seen you know, the quit rate begin to slow. In other words, the, the voluntary willingness of someone to leave a job. So I think all those are pointing towards some slowdown in employment. And of course, nominal employment has slowed. You know, It was uh, 400,000 per month last year, and it's already down to you know less than 300,000 per month now this year. So we are seeing the cooling. I'll call them small cracks, but again, it takes a long time, a lag time for these higher interest rates and the quantitative tightening that we really, most people don't talk much about that the Federal Reserve is doing to slow economic activity. So as we're looking at the key driver for the Fed rate hikes, which has been inflation, uh, this week, we're forecast to see inflation numbers come down to th- uh, three handle on those uh, inflation numbers on CPI. Is inflation subdued? And what does that mean for the Fed moving forward? Well, I have to remember that, that you know, the most common inflation statistic is the CPI, the Consumer Price Index. It's kind of the one we all gravitate towards and see. The Fed likes its own measure called personal consumption expenditures, which is just a broader CPI. But let's focus on the CPI for a second. It did peak at 9.1% year over year in June. Um, it's come down, you know, a lot since June of a year ago. Um, and the reason, of course, it's come down is that food and energy aren't pushing up like they were. And goods prices, goods prices now on a year over year basis are actually falling ever so slightly. So we've managed to bring the CPI down, when we say we, the Federal Reserve, higher interest rates, and a little slower economic activity has brought inflation down to 4% on a trailing 12-month basis. We're about to drop off a very large you know, inflation print from last June when we get this July's print here this week on Wednesday, and you'll likely see nominal inflation down to 3.1%, maybe 3.2%. Huge improvement. The problem with this still is the core. The core inflation never jumped to 9%. It was only just over 6%. And now core inflation is still 5 plus percent, and it's still only likely to fall to 5 so while food and energy helped drive it way up, food and energy have helped bring it back down below trend, but the Federal Reserve is still focused on the sticky core. Now, if you'd like to ask, and maybe this would have been your next question, are we making progress on the sticky core? I think absolutely. And this is the wild card in, you know, in going forward. Um, there are some clear cracks showing up in even core inflation. Housing is the biggest component of it. Rents, of course, we've seen slow down. While housing has had a bit of a rebound recently, it's tough to see nominal home prices increasing materially when interest rates have jumped so very much, with a 30-year mortgage now up to about a 7-plus percent, even a 7.5% rate, with the 10-year Treasury now at 4. We're likely to see a material slowdown in home price appreciation. And right now, housing or shelter as a percent of the CPI it's coming in at 8%, 8% year over year. We think that begins to decline, and that also will help bring down core inflation. If we bring down core inflation quicker than nominal growth falls, you can have your soft landing, 
That's a mouthful. But just think about it. If growth will fall slower than inflation falls, then we have a chance for a soft landing. And oddly enough, the positivity or the chance of this core inflation cooling in the second half of the year is pretty strong. So as we look into the markets, uh, clearly we think the heavy lifting's already been done by the Fed. Maybe some base effects kicking in, especially on the housing side that, uh, as you mentioned, that that second derivative of growth is just slowing. It's still maybe not contracting in terms of home prices. What does this mean for fixed income returns? You know, we walked through 2022, very tough years. We had a broader reset in interest rates, been a positive year so far in 2023. What does the balance of 2023 look like for for both the broad market as well as more specifically some credit issues out there? Yeah, of course. You know, we do think that the Fed raises rates one more time in July. They have a meeting July 26th. They will tap the break again another 25 basis point and push basically short-term rates in that five and a quarter to five and a half percent range. I think they will certainly pause at their the September meeting because there is no August meeting. And then that leaves November as a wild card. I'm optimistic that they won't need to hike rates in November and that this is hopefully the last rate hike. As such, the opportunity for fixed income looks pretty good. Despite the fact that bond yields have been backing up you know, for most of the year, we still have small positive returns to the broad bond market. As of this morning, Monday, July 10th, we had the Bloomberg aggregate up 77 basis points. And actually, most bond funds are outperforming the aggregate by a little bit. And municipal bonds are also in positive territory. And I think this sets us up for a very nice second half of the year with interest rates peaking and perhaps coming down a little bit to finally give us some diversity away from you know the stock market, which of course has been on a tear. And I think Tara is likely to talk about that in a minute. Thanks, Scott. Tara, let's transition and talk a little bit about uh, the equity markets. It's been a strong start to the year. We're up on the S&P 500, just a little short of 16% been a different sort of market for us. It's less broad-based than we had grown accustomed to during the quantitative easing years. What do you think about this market moving forward? And and maybe talk about a, a little bit about the markets, how they've been so narrow recently. Sure. So certainly, you know, the equity markets defied the odds, right, of three bank failures, recession fears, rising interest rates, you know, tensions with China, higher inflation, uh, to have a really strong first half. And most of that first half was led by the mega caps and technology. So the technology laden index of the NASDAQ was actually up 32% in that first half. A lot of that being driven by artificial intelligence or AI commonly referred to that tends to be across the board. So we've been in a very narrow market with only about 25% of the stocks in the S&P 500 actually outperforming the index. Market broadened a little bit in June, but really we'd need a much stronger rally from here for this to improve. And we really need to see earnings growth, which is likely to be very difficult in this environment uh, due to higher inflation, wage pressures, et cetera, uh, really hurting the margins. So while technology was the clear winner in the first half and is likely to probably moderate here as we go forward, given the kind of skyrocketing returns we've seen, I will say we are closely monitoring that developed international equity space as we do believe the high dividends and relatively cheap valuation might lead us to start bringing in our underweight to developed international. So, Tara, I've been struck by this market. You know, we have this very narrow leadership, about seven stocks accounted for about 90% of the S&P 500 return. As we look at Apple, it crossed over the $3 trillion mark. Apple at this point is larger than the smallest 2,000 stocks inside the Russell indices. So is this sustainable? And how is AI playing into this whole piece? I know AI is maybe not a pure Apple play there. 
we saw after the first quarter earnings report, really the mere mention of artificial intelligence, again, AI, seemed to add several percentage points of return to stock prices. We had another big winner for the first half was NVIDIA, which also joined that billion-dollar market cap. It was up almost 190%. NVIDIA is, of course, a clear AI winner that does graphic processing units that power the chatbots like uh, ChatGPT. AI will likely live up to its expectations and a lot of the hype, but it's going to be a long process to get there. AI is certainly going to increase productivity, which will dampen probably pressure on inflation. It'll certainly improve and increase medical breakthroughs, likely to help solve some of the biggest issues, right, with hunger, global warming. Big question is really how much do you pay for it and how much do you pay for these companies, which we work through. Downside to to artificial intelligence is the information is only as good as it receives, right? So there's likely to be misinformation or quite frankly, just bad information. You could see a potential increase in cyber attacks. And probably I think the, the thing that worries a lot of people about AI is certainly being replaced by these AI robots certainly to hit the lower paying jobs, which would uh, worsen that income inequality. So I'm certainly struck by the amount of cross currents that we're talking about now. You know, the fixed income market is clearly signaling recession. The equity market has had robust returns this year. As you mentioned, Tara, AI has really powered the U.S. stock market up. But international stocks, we are getting more constructive on. And from a valuation perspective, they are very attractive, but they have almost virtually no AI exposure in there. So as we move through this second half of 2023, a lot of things to keep your eye on. I think Paramount inside the U.S. market is going to be focusing on whether the economy continues to deteriorate, like Scott mentioned. And as you mentioned, Tara, whether the promise of AI is going to be fully priced into this market for the back half of 2023. So certainly an interesting time to be observing the economy as well as the markets. Thank you both for joining us today. We encourage you to visit our website, www.commercetrustcompany.com and download our 2023 Mid-Year Outlook. Also, if you enjoyed what you've heard today, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you for joining us today on Conversations with Commerce Trust. I'm David Hagee. We'll talk again soon. Important material disclosures regarding the content of this program follow. Commerce Trust is a division of Commerce Bank. Generally, non-depository investments offered in connection with Commerce Trust and its affiliates are not guaranteed, are not FDIC insured, and may lose value. Opinions and other information provided are effective as of the date of the recording and presented for the purpose of general education, information, or illustration only. Neither Commerce nor any of its affiliates, officers, employees, or agents have made any recommendations to buy, hold, or sell securities or given any advice as to the terms, beneficial interests, or profitability of any investment strategy or market activity and information provided may not be relied upon as such. You, as the investor, are fully responsible for any investment transaction you choose to enter into, including determining whether such investment is appropriate in light of your investment objectives and personal circumstance, and you shall not have relied on any of the preceding or following information from commerce as the basis for any investment decision. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified attorney, tax advisor, or investment professional. In considering whether to trade or invest, you should inform yourself and be aware of the risks. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, and the information in the commentary provided is subject to change based on market or other conditions. Diversification does not guarantee a profit or protect against all risk. Commerce Trust does not offer tax, legal, or specific estate planning advice. And while we may provide information or express general opinions from time to time, such information or opinions are not offered as professional tax or legal advice. 
Commerce Trust does not provide advice relating to rolling over retirement accounts. Commerce Trust is not a municipal advisor under Section 15B of the Securities Exchange Act and therefore does not offer advice or recommendations concerning bond proceeds or other municipal advice subject to this section. Any data contained herein from third-party providers is obtained from what are considered reliable sources. However, its accuracy, completeness, or reliability cannot be guaranteed.